So you may have noticed this long red ladder hanging next to me. Um, it did not startle you this week, so I'm thankful for that. Many of you messaged me and said um, you wanted to run up on the stage and try to help me because you weren't sure what was actually happening, but it was planned. Um, but if you were not here uh, last week, I want to clue you into why this is here. It's because we are in our second week talking about battling anxiety. And when I was praying through this series, I felt like God gave me this prophetic picture that some of us in this room are really feeling like we're in rough waters. We're really feeling like um, we're in a tough season. We're in an anxious season. And some moments we feel like we're drowning, maybe totally in over our heads. We're desperate for God to just send us a lifeline. And so in this prophetic picture, as I was praying, it's as if this rescue helicopter had come. And the rescue helicopter saw you in the water and let down the rope ladder to offer an escape. And the rope ladder is the promises and the truth of who God is and who, what, he says, he, what he says to us. The word of God and who he is. That's what the, the ladder represented. And, and I believe that this series of messages we're talking about may not just take away your battle with anxiety instantly, although God can do that. But there is no formula or guaranteed solution. It's complicated. Oftentimes, anxiety is complex. I, I won't stand up here and, and just tell you if you just pray a prayer, it'll be all gone. But if you can gri get a grip on the ladder, maybe you're not completely out of the storm yet, but there can be some hope. If you can hang on to what God says and who he is, maybe even though things feel pretty tumultuous still, you will have a lifeline to climb up out of the season that you're in. And my prayer is that the truth of God and the person of Jesus Christ can be something you can hang on to until you are through this season. God's will is not that you lead a life of perpetual anxiety. It is not his will that you face days with dread. He made you for more than, than a life of angst and worry. And I believe he has a new chapter for you. And the staff and I have been praying for each of you relentlessly during this series and believing that God is going to bring a lot of freedom. And like we sang this morning, that we're going to see a victory. Are you with me on that? All right. So if you or someone you know um, deals with anxiety, you're not alone. Um, we're going to go toe-to-toe -to -toe this month with this, uh, with, with this particular um, problem, with this particular challenge, and we're going to ask God for the answers. Now, we did provide for you a resource list. Hopefully, you got it on the way in. It has books and articles and Bible studies. We also um, produced our own extra podcast so that you can um, look at it and you can see different things, different people in the congregation give their perspectives. This week was really good. It's about praying through anxiety and some real practical tips on how to do that. So you want to make sure you, you uh, get to it. Um, also, we want you to invite someone. Maybe you invited someone with you, um, or maybe you did and they said no, uh, invite someone else. But we bought some booklets with some invitations in them um, that you can get in the lobby. They're small booklets. You can get them on your way out. They have been flying off the shelf, but we restocked again, okay? So make sure you get some, and um, we'll be really excited that you can give it to someone in your life. All right, sound good? So without further delay, the scripture that we are jumping into the series is from Philippians 4, 4 through 7. So look on the screen while I read it. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I want you to know that I set out to, last week I preached on verse 5, talking about rejoicing in the Lord. This week I decided I'd preach on verse 6, and I only got five words in. God had so much to say that I'm going to preach on verse 6a. Okay, and then we're going to do the rest of it next week. But I was so thankful for the revelation that God was giving me about this. And so what we're going to be talking about is just those first four words, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for no thing. We're just going to say that this morning. Um, Do not be anxious about anything. That's what we're going to say. Ready? Do not be anxious about anything. That's what we're going to preach on today. Now, I believe when I read that, that this is a tall order from the word of God. Be anxious for less would have been difficult all on its own. Try, try, to, try to only be anxious on days where things are, are feeling really stressful. But no, it actually says be anxious about nothing. And I think the thing that stuck out to me so significantly here about this verse is that if Jesus is truly asking us to be anxious about nothing, then it must be possible. It must be possible. With God's help, even in a world full of tragedy and pain and risk. When God asks us to be anxious about nothing, he isn't aware of the the pollution and the corruption of the earth. He acknowledges there's evil in the world. In fact, he is the only one who knows the depth of the evil of humanity. He knows the future. He knows our past. And he still says, be anxious for nothing. So, so how do we do this? How do we live an anxiety-free life? Because it, it feels pretty difficult. Anybody else with me or is it just me? It feels pretty difficult. You just watch the news or read the paper. You can get a hundred things to worry about, especially if you have children. And so you can sit and you can spin and you can spin. But here's, we're going to talk specifically today three ways that we can live out this verse, how not to be anxious about anything. The first way is anxiety often happens when we get out ahead of God. Anxiety happens when we get out ahead of God. We try to handle more than one day at a time. Now, for those of you that are planners, this is a really difficult spiritual principle to accept. What do you mean I can only think about today? Our mind spins. We, we have a baby. We're holding this sweet little baby. We're thinking, how am I going to pay for college? How, how am I going to do this? We're, we're 20. We're thinking, what if I'm still single when I'm 30? We're, 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 we're thinking, what if I lose a loved one expectantly like my friend did? How will I even face that? What if the world keeps getting violent? What if the world keeps getting so dangerous? What if, what if I, um, they, they keep growing the plants with those insecticides on it, and then everything I eat is like poisoning my inner self, okay? We have, we have all these thoughts. I can't possibly face that. I'll never get through that. And the scripture illustrates to us in so many different ways that God says, I will give you enough grace and I will give you enough strength to get through your days, but it will be one day at a time. You can't mail order a year's worth of trust and courage. In Exodus 16, God sends food literally from heaven to this entire camp of people. Quail comes and covers the camp. A layer of dew goes all over the camp, and then it turns into bread. And Moses says to the people, gather what you need for today. No one try to keep anything until the morning. 
But Exodus 16.20 tells us what probably all of us would do. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses, and they kept part of it until morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell, so Moses was angry with them. Now, what God was doing is he was showing these people that he would send what they needed each day. That he would never be late, he would never forget, but they would have to trust him for it. And I think these Israelites who were trying to shove bread in their cupboards and and put quail under their mattresses, they weren't malicious people. They weren't bad people. They probably just had anxiety about what they were going to eat the next day. And maybe they had a lot of kids or maybe they had sick parents. And so they thought, this is the smart thing to do. This is the responsible thing to do. I'm going to save some of this for tomorrow so that I have it. And what they didn't realize is that God is just making a point. He's making a point. He's not trying to discourage them by making their, their, uh, their food rot, but he's making a point and he's saying, listen, the surrendered Christian life is a daily decision to trust God. It's an everyday decision. It's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday decision that the only way to live the life that God intends for us is to stay really close to the provider of all that we need. And it's this decision to say, God, I need peace. Will you give me enough peace for today? God, I I need strength. Would you give me enough strength for today? God, I need resources. Will you give me enough resources for today? But, But how will I face tomorrow, God? How will I face tomorrow? And God says, don't worry about tomorrow. Because you know what? Tomorrow will worry all about itself. There'll be enough for tomorrow. I don't know where it will come from, but God does. I don't know where I'll get the strength to face tomorrow, but God does. I don't know where I'll get the resources to face tomorrow, but God does. Corey Ten Boom is a Christ follower. You may have heard of her who helped many Jewish people escape the Nazi Holocaust in World War, World War II. And she said it this way, worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. Carrying two days at once. It's moving into tomorrow ahead of time. So how do we fulfill the scripture? Do not be anxious about anything. The answer is one day at a time. One step at a time. You know, there has been times of my life that I couldn't even take the whole day. I had to take one hour. One minute. But God provided the strength that I needed for that time. All right, secondly, we fulfill this command by battling it together. We fulfill this command by battling it together. Now, something I really want to bring clarity to that I think gets confusing at times is that anxiety is not a sin, okay? Anxiety is not a sin. It's an emotion. You aren't doing anything wrong if you're dealing with anxiety, You you are not a bad Christian. You are not weak. You you are not disqualified from using your gifts. You are not someone uh, that's damaged goods. Okay? I believe that the scripture says, do not be anxious about anything, was not said with shame attached to it, as if uh, God was saying, what are you doing? Don't be anxious about anything. Like, how dare you? That is not the the tone at which God wants us to read this. In fact, if you're dealing with shame in reference to your struggle with anxiety, I want to remind you that, that guilt and embarrassment is not from Jesus. In fact, God loves to shame shame. God shames shame. That's what God does with shame. 
That is not from him. Now, anxiety in and of itself is not a sin, but it can lead to sinful behavior. So you have to be careful with that. For example, sometimes to numb or deal with our fear, we binge on food or alcohol or or Netflix. And we're replacing who God should be. God is the one we should turn to, not three hours of the office, okay, on Netflix. So that is, that, that is something that we need to watch. Or sometimes we're angry, we're hurt, we're, we're, we're hurtful toward people, we're impatient with others because our insides feel so tumultuous. Do you ever get like real short and frustrated with someone and they're not doing anything wrong, but it's because you're all, you're all keyed up? That, that is sinful. Anxiety can make us bail out of relationships we should stick with. It can make us neglect people that we love. And if anxiety stems from a lack of trust in God or unbelief, then these are sins and we need to repent and turn from them. But here's the good news. It's not shame that I'm trying to show you today because God shames shame. What I'm trying to show you is that repentance can actually break the stronghold of anxiety. If some of these things are rooted in a sin, if you repent and say, God, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to live for you. I want to live like you. That can actually break the cycle of anxiety. So that's a tool I want you to use. If you find yourself sinning in your anxiety, then you can repent of it and God will help you break that stronghold. Now, the enemy of God has this age-old trick and it's called isolation. And if the enemy can get you alone in your own head, which, can I get an amen how scary of a place that can be, right? Just all alone in your own head, get you stuck in your own thoughts. He can do the most damage. And I believe that he will try to keep convincing you that no one will ever understand, that no one will care. The enemy will will tell you, don't talk to anybody about it because they couldn't possibly help you. And then all of a sudden, you're carrying this secret burden around until you completely collapse. And so if we're going to live out this scripture, do not be anxious about anything, we're going to have to help each other. We're going to have to help each other. Judah Smith is a pastor that I respect. He says, beating anxiety is a group project. Beating anxiety is a group project. We need each other. Adam quoted the scripture when he did announcements. Galatians says, carry each other's burdens to fulfill the law of Christ. Ecclesiastes says, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Hebrews says, don't stop encouraging each other all the way to the finish line. This is a group project, people. This is it. If we want to live completely free, if we want to beat this epidemic in our country today, we have to do it together. We have to be vulnerable enough to, vulnerable enough to ask for prayer and ask for help. There's this story I read of an 11-year-old boy, and his chore was gathering firewood for the fireplace. That was what uh, he was supposed to do in his home. And so he would search the woods for stumps of pine trees to chop into kindling. And so one day, he found this really large stump. It's perfect. He said, this will keep our, keep our house warm for the whole weekend. And he sets out to get it, and he, and he, and he pushes, and he pulls, and he, he crowbars it, and he, he ties a rope to it and pulls it with the tractor, and, and he works on it all day long. But the root system of the stump was so deep and so large that he just he couldn't get it. Like, he couldn't pull it out of the ground. 
And so when his father came home from work that day, he spotted him in the yard, and he came over to him to see what, what he was working on, and the son was frustrated, and he was exhausted, and, and he was dirty, and he was sweating, and, and the father said, you know, I think I see your problem. And, the, and the, the boy said, well, what's that? And he said, you're not using all your strength. And the boy exploded angry. <laughs> what do you mean? I've been working on this all day. I've used every possible tool I could come out with that shed. I, I have made no progress. Look at the calluses on my hands. Look at the dirt on my pants. He, and he was frustrated. And the father said, you're not using all your strength because you haven't asked me to help you yet. You haven't asked me to help you yet. Battling anxiety is like pulling stumps out of the ground. And if we're being really real with ourselves, some of our worries have really deep root systems. We've been carrying them around for a lot of years and extracting them will be hard, hard work. In fact, it may be the toughest challenge of your life, but you don't have to do it alone. God wants to help you, and God wants us to help each other. He, he loves it when his children rally together and attack the thing that steals joy and peace. So maybe you've been working on this particular anxiety for a long time, and you feel like your hands are calloused, and your pants are dirty, and you don't know what else to do, and you haven't seen a lot of real progress. Maybe you aren't using all your strength. Maybe it's time to get into a group Maybe it's time to, to check out Celebrate Recovery. Maybe it's time to find someone who will pray with you every day for a while. Maybe it's time to seek out a safe person and, and walk with them through this. We can live out successfully, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but it will be a group effort. It will be a group project. All right, thirdly. We can live out this command by remembering God's faithfulness, by remembering God's faithfulness. All right, so there's this Old Testament prophet named Elijah. He loved God, but even though he saw the faithfulness of God right before his eyes, he had anxiety. How many of you are like, really? A Bible character had anxiety? Elijah. He had total anxiety. Elijah, his life story in a nutshell is he, he, he stood up to a very evil king, and the king came after him. And the king had all the resources in the land, and Elijah didn't have much. And he was literally on the run for three years. But God, remember that from last week? But God literally delivered him food by way of ravens. We think we invented Instacart. Are you kidding? The ravens brought the food. They dropped bread for Elijah to eat. And one instance in Elijah's life, he single-handedly stood down 850 false prophets calling down fire from heaven. You can read about that in 1 Kings 18. It's fascinating. Then he prays for rain. It had been a, a drought for three and a half years, terrible drought. Everyone was starving. Out of nothing, a cloud the size of a man's hand appears. And then, so that's a miracle. Then from that small little cloud, like torrential hurricane rains go across the, the, the land and, and, and feed all the crops. So Elijah witnesses total miracles. 
And then in 1 Kings 19, Jezebel, who's the king's evil wife, sends Elijah a little note that says, well, I'm going to kill you. And in 1 Kings 19.3, it says that Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. I think it's interesting. It says he left his servant. He goes off alone, which makes him more vulnerable. And just like we talked about in point two, he was trying to battle this alone. He, he left the only guy who knew what, what was happening with him. And so he's all alone, which isn't a good idea. And he sits down under a tree. And the scripture shows us as he spirals into this total anxiety and depression. And he gets to the point where he begs God to take his life. I am sad, but I know that some of you have been right there. That some of you have been right there. This is confusing because Elijah just left from watching heaven, fire fall from heaven per his request. Hey, God, can you um, zap these guys? Done. Then he prays in a hurricane. Okay, so all of these things are happening. 850 false prophets are destroyed because of Elijah's leadership. And then one crazy lady writes him one short note, and he's off the deep end. (laughs) What is going on with this guy? Joel has some comments about one crazy lady, but just kidding. (laughs) But Elijah should have felt invincible. He should have felt invincible in these moments. But Elijah made one giant mistake. He failed to remember the faithfulness of God. And he stood up and he faced his problems. That was good, but he forgot about God. He faced his problems, but he forgot about God. But I love how God deals with Elijah. Are you ready for this? This just shows a lot about God's character. It shows a lot about who he is. God doesn't get mad at Elijah for forgetting what he had done for him. He he doesn't leave Elijah all alone and say, okay, well, just figure it out. I mean... Jeez. God meets Elijah in his pain. Elijah is sleeping in a cave, desperate alone, hurting, anxious, and depressed. And God says, I'm going to come right to you. Right in the middle of your anxiety. Right in the middle of your pain. You're being kind of irrational, but I'm coming to meet you. I'm coming to meet you, and I'm coming to tell you. And I want to read to you from 1 Kings 19. It says, and the word of the Lord came to him. He he didn't didn't cry out to God, but the word of the Lord came to him and says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. So he goes out and he stands and it says, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. 
And if you read on, um, actually the Lord goes on to give Elijah some very specific instructions in verse 15 through 18 of how to escape the enemies. He tells them, go out of the camp this way, run up here, go over here. He gives them very, very specific advice to save his life. And God whispered those instructions. He wanted Elijah to draw close to him. You know, the enemy shouts his lies because he's trying to drown out the voice of God. The enemy always is shouting, but no matter how loud anyone is shouting, if we get close enough to God, we're gonna hear his whisper. And that's why he says, draw near to him. God wants to meet you in your pain today. God wants to meet you in your anxiety today. God wants to step into that situation that you just can't figure out that causes you all kinds of pain and tumultuousness. And he wants to encourage you and he wants to give you instructions for your next step and he wants to throw you a rope ladder. And he wants you to hang on to it so tight. Starting next Sunday, we're gonna engage in a corporate fast. You're gonna hear more about that next week. But fasting is one of the most effective ways to clear the junk and the other voices and influences out of your life. Now you need to do it safely, you need to do it effectively. We're gonna give you some resources online or you can check our Facebook page so that you can plan for it. But we wanted to do this fast in this anxiety series because I believe that God wants to speak to us and he wants, us to, he wants to meet us in the middle of our pain. In that dark, desperate cave that Elijah was laying in, God came to him and I believe that God wants to do that for us. Now, Elijah's big misfire, his big mistake, remember, is he failed to remember the faithfulness of God in his life. He, he didn't keep in front of him the ways that God had worked powerfully, the blessings he had received, the victories that he was part of. And by not focusing and remembering those, Elijah lost his grip on the truth. He lost his grip on the ladder, and that is what sent him into a spiral. And so we're going to do a little exercise today. Here's how I want to end. There's some blank pieces of paper in your pew. They're at the very end, so ask the people next to you if you could pass them down. Everyone needs one, so you might have to pass them back, pass them down. Remember, this is a group project, so I believe in you. You'll need a pencil. just for you. No one else is going to see this, okay? So be as honest as you can because you're not going to have to share it with anyone. But I want you to draw a straight line across of it, like, like a timeline, okay? Draw a straight line across. Joel, could I have a pen? This is the timeline of your life, okay? So like that. Everybody got their line? If the person next to you refuses to participate, tell them, hey, she said it's a group project. All right. All right, now, first thing I want you to do is put your, your date of birth at the start of the timeline. The year, or the date, whatever, the day you were born. And then mark today somewhere along the timeline to the best of your ability. For some of us, we're a little past the halfway mark. 
For some of us, we're in the first quarter. You don't know for sure, but let's say between 80 and 100 years, which is the average lifespan. Okay, now I want you to mark somewhere between when you were born and today a little mark that indicates the year you gave your life to Christ. So if you were a small child, it'd be closer to your birth date. If you were just recently, it'd be closer to today, but somewhere along there. This is the first victory to celebrate today. This is the first victory that when you're done with this, I want you to look at because you could remember God's faithfulness. He saved you. He redeemed you. He bought you at a price. He changed the, the direction of your whole life and, and for eternity. And if that's the only victory you put on your timeline, that's a really big one. If you're here today and you are thinking, you know, I can't really mark that day. I, I, I don't know if I've done that yet. I wanna encourage you before you leave today to, to go to my right and to my left to those tables with the prayer team and have them help you pray and solidify that decision because that is such an important decision in the timeline of your life. All right, now I want you to think about some things in your life that you can point back to. Maybe things that were difficult, hard seasons, things that God brought you through. Maybe ways he's provided a solution, a, a bad situation he turned into good, a time that he healed you, a time he changed someone's heart or shifted a relationship. Th this could be a little bit painful, but remember, God meets you in your pain, okay? So just ask the Lord, what are a couple things that I can look back and in hard times you were faithful? Okay, now I want you to put some things on that timeline that were spiritual blessings. Things that uh, were completely undeserved. Maybe the birth of your children, your, your grandchildren, when you got married, when you graduated from college, when, when you bought your first home, when you got the, the job that you're in right now. Because remember, every good and perfect gift comes from heaven. Every good and perfect gift. So some things in your life that you would look back and say, man, this was so sweet. This was such a blessing to me. This is where God showed up.
Okay, one more. You made that mark that said today, right? On the other side of today, I want you to write the things that you're anxious about right now. The, the outcome that you believe, the but God outcome. Because those are going to be marks of God's faithfulness soon. And so something that's going to happen ahead of time that you right now are trusting God for, write that on your timeline. this command, do not be anxious about anything. We can live out this part of the verse. We haven't even gotten to the second half yet. But I believe that we can live out, do not be anxious about anything, that it is possible. And you know why? Because look what God has done. Look what God has done. Look what God has done in your life already. That the faithfulness of God has set you up for the rest of time. Look what God has done. We need to take this anxiety battle one day at a time. There will be enough strength for every day. We need to do this together. It's a group project and we have to remember the faithfulness of God. And I believe and know we will see a victory. So would you stand up? We're just gonna sing this together to dismiss today in celebration of what we already know. You might wanna hang on to your card and just use it as a, a, a symbol of what you're praying for, the victory that you already know is gonna come, the faithfulness of God that he's already brought you. And let's just sing this with all that's in us, declaring, God, the battle is yours and we're trusting you for it.
just thank you that we can look back at what you've done in our lives and have faith to go forward. And that is how we can beat our anxiety and the things that come against us. We just praise you in this place and worship you. We thank you for who you are, for what you've done and what you're promising to do. And we just purpose today to leave different, to leave drawing closer to you. We love you and worship you for all that you've done here this morning. Amen. Amen. Have an awesome week. We love you. We'll see you next week for part three in this series.